Well, hello church. Today we're going to be starting a new series. I hope that you found the Unified series uh, helpful. Well, this COVID-19 season, this pandemic, certainly been a very different season, hasn't it? And I think that one of the words that perhaps I would use to describe and, and label this season would be it's been an unexpected season. There's been so, so much unexpected loss and pain and, and tragedy. There's There's been a lot of unexpected disruptions to the world and it's not been an easy time. There's 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 been some struggles, there's been some highs and some lows and of course you know during this time it's not all been bad, it's not all been negative. There's actually been a lot of positive advancements. I mean when you think about the technology we've taken quantum leaps in how technology it has you know evolved and is being used the way that we communicate has significantly uh, improved and, and and become more efficient where we're able to communicate with people more effectively around the world through the likes of uh, you know technologies such as zoom the way that businesses and organizations and uh, you know ministries and even families have begun to function there has been a lot of positives um, you know that we can take away from this season you know life often I, I find typically can be very predictable this season hasn't been predictable but you know before this COVID-19 many of us would have described our lives as very predictable and you know we are creatures of comfort and we often like to settle into our comfortable daily routines and, and habits but what do we do when we face the unexpected and that's what this new series that we're going to be embarking upon together is called the unexpected and I think it's something that is really relevant to us at this time because we're in an unexpected time I'm sure many of you can relate to times where you've encountered the unexpected in your past and it's, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be times in our future that we face the unexpected. What we didn't expect happens. What do we do when we find ourselves in an unexpected situation? You know, what do we do perhaps when we lose a loved one or a relationship uh, breaks down or maybe we're made redundant from our job? A lot of that's happened in this season, hasn't it? What happens if maybe a, a friend decides to relocate and move away or maybe we get a bad health report from the doctor or maybe we experience betrayal from someone that we love that we never expected it from? What do we do when tragedy strikes? What do we do when we face the unexpected? Well, you know, when we look in the Bible, we can find lots of accounts of, of stories, testimonies where people encountered the unexpected. And over these coming weeks, we're going to be looking at several different accounts and stories and passages of Scripture that really unpack this whole concept of facing the unexpected. And I thought it would be really good for us to start off with the story of David uh, in the Old Testament and when his army were gathering together in enemy territory that he'd been given um, in a place called Ziklag. This story can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and I want to encourage you in your own time to go there and to read through and just meditate on it because I believe that there are some really valuable insights for us 
as we are in this season of facing the unexpected. Just to give you some context of the story here with David and Ziklag, it, it seemed like things were going pretty well for David. Well, you know, I say that Saul was still very jealous. Is uh, that the king at the time was very jealous of David, very much saw him as a rival. But you know, things apart from that, things seemed to be looking up for David. He had been building up a strong army of mighty warriors, and they'd been very triumphant in battle over many adversaries. And he even had the favour of an Israelite, uh, 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 sorry, of a, a Philistine king, um, Akish, the king of Gath, which was Philistine territory, had actually given him a plot of land that he and his men could settle in. He kind of had a little bit of defence against King Saul, who was seeking after his life, because he, he was a bit of a chicken, he was a bit frightened of the Philistines. So here David you know, gets this unusual favour and here he is in this place called Ziklag. Now one day after returning from uh, from war, he and his men, they end up facing the unexpected. After returning home, they discover that not only had their homes been burnt to the ground by the Amalekites, but worse, their women and children had all been taken away. Now, no, no doubt, David and his men, they feared the worst. You know, imagine the scene. You know, you're returning uh, home with your life intact. You know, you're, you're a soldier and you feel relieved that you've survived the last mission. And all you can think about is being reunited with your family. I mean, many of you, we... We, many of us, we've seen scenes on the TV, haven't we, where, you know, a soldier comes home, you know, to maybe his son or his daughter and he surprises them at school or at home. And, you know, there's just this uh, crescendo of emotion and, and a lot of tears and a lot of joy and, uh, and relief as families are reunited together. And so here the, the soldiers, they're walking home, they're returning home, they've got their life intact, they're excited about seeing their family and being in the safety of their home again. But I want you to imagine as you're in this scene that you're approaching your home and suddenly you see you know, your home in the distance and these black plumes of smoke billowing into the air uh, and suddenly your heart sinks suddenly there's this moment of, of feeling of, of, of fear and, and anxiousness. And uh, as you draw closer to your home, you know, I'm sure the men start to speed up and think, flipping it, what's going on there? Like, let's rush quickly. And they rush towards their home and there they they see the evidence of broken homes and, and, and charred remains. And there's an eerie quiet you know, where, where's the laughter of the children? Where's the, the joy of the women? Where, where, where is the, the chatter of, of the children like? And here in this scene, you know, tough, burly, you know, muscular warriors begin to break down and weep and wail, uncontrollably fearing the worst. This was a situation where David and his men had, were facing the unexpected. Let's have a look at this in scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag and had attacked Ziklag and burnt it and had taken captive the women 
and everyone else in it, both young and old. So they'd also taken the nans and the granddads as well. Things really looking bad here. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. Verse 3, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left in them to weep. I mean, there's weeping and then there's weeping. And this, you get, get the sense from this, that this was a real tragic moment. Imagine 600 warriors, men just crying, breaking down, fearing the worst. Uh, let's carry on. Verse 5, David's two wives have been captured, uh, Hinoam uh, of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal uh, of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. Well, uh, a little bit of an underestimation there, isn't it? But he was greatly distressed because, listen to this, when things go wrong, often the leader gets blamed. And this is what happens here. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. They were questioning, hey, is David the right one to lead us? And here they were talking amongst themselves about maybe executing him. Okay, let's carry on. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and his daughters. And I love this next bit and I want to encourage you to underline it in your Bible. This is a really powerful part. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now let's jump forward a little bit. Verse 17, and let's have a look at what were these, what was the outcome. The women and the children have been taken, uh, but let's fast forward. What was the outcome? Verse 17, David fought them, the Amalekites this is, from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Verse 18, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. Another really good part to underline and highlight here. This included his wives in verse 19, nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken and David brought everything back and he took all the flocks and the herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock saying this is David's plunder. Very, very powerful story, isn't it? Where they face the unexpected. I want to say this, first of all, sometimes things will appear to get worse before they get better. And, and sometimes it's only when we lose something that we actually become aware of how precious and priceless certain things were to us and are to us. And I think in this COVID-19 season, many things have been taken from us. Many things have been robbed by the enemy. But I really want to declare over you, over me, over us in this season, I want to declare prophetically this. I want to say, take heart, we will recover all. Take heart, we will recover all. I encourage you even put it in the chat, declare it over yourself. Thank God that I am going to recover all. There's another verse that's really spoken to me during this season uh, where we have experienced some loss. Joel 2.25 and uh, God says this, God says to his people, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I don't know if you've ever seen a plague of locusts 
a swarm of locusts when they come in and they just can you know strip fields strip strip vegetation so quickly it's almost like a black cloud you know as they block out the sun it can be quite um, uh, an intimidating scenario to, to, to be in but here God is saying that even though there's been stuff that's been eaten even though there's been elements of life that have been taken there's been things that have been stolen God promises God is a God of restoration and recompense he is a God who who says I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten David and his men they were based in Ziklag here as I've said in this enemy territory and it's interesting when you look up the meanings of certain places in the Bible and you can end up finding some real valuable gems well I looked up what Ziklag means and one of the meanings for Ziklag is it means measure pressed down measure pressed down and this always makes me think when we're talking about measure pressed down it always makes me think of um Woolworths, uh, the department store. Anyone old enough to remember Woolworths? Uh, you younger ones might want to Google Woolworths, and it was a, a very well-known light shop, a department store that sold lots of different things. One of the things I used to like uh, finding, uh, um, enjoying uh, in Woolworths down in Commercial Road here in Portsmouth was the pick and mix, and you could get a cup. Like one ninety nine was one size, I think two ninety nine was a you know bigger size, and basically you could cram it full with as many sweets as you wanted from this pick and mix, uh, but you weren't allowed more than the cup. So you basically had this measure of a cup. You pushed the sweets in and you pushed it down. So it was a measure pressed down. This reminds me of another verse in the the Bible, Luke six verse thirty eight, and it says this: "Give and it will be given." To you, a good measure pressed down. That's what my experience was in Woolworths. I mean, I crammed, I got my money's worth. I got more than my money's worth. It was a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. You know, sometimes you'd shake the, the little cup so that, you know, all the little sweets and the smarties would fall down into the cracks so that you could get a little bit more in. Sometimes it, you know, was running over. Uh, it says it will be poured into your lap for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Ziklag, it was a place of sweet provision that David and his men had been led to uh, in the midst of their enemies. It was a good measure pressed down. But during this time, David and his men, they faced the unexpected. What do we do when we face the unexpected? And what did David do? And we're going to look at seven biblical secrets to recover what the enemy has taken. Point number one that we can implement to recover what the enemy has taken is strengthen and encourage yourself in the Lord. Strengthen and encourage yourself in the Lord. First Samuel 30 verse 6, it said this, that David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in their spirit because of uh, their sons and daughters that had been taken. But David found strength in the Lord his God. In another translation, it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to ask you, in times of despair, uncertainty, tragedy, where do you find your strength? Where do you get your encouragement from? Because it's really important what source that we go to. 
It's amazing to have people stand with us in our corner and encourage us and strengthen us. But there will be days that we have to go it alone. And we know that we're never alone. God's always with us. But there will be those times that we may feel alone. And we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, so to speak, and encourage ourselves. Sometimes it's not enough to rely on the faith of others. Um, you know, but we have to hear David, you know, his men who had fought with him and were very much backing him. Now they were talking about stoning him. And it's in those that time that he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Point number two, process your grief. It says in verse four that David and his men, they wept aloud. It's important that when we go through times and seasons of loss that we do not bottle it up or suppress the emotion, but we, we, we let it out. If you need to cry, cry. Don't, don't try and, you know, and don't believe this whole, you know, uh, you cannot cry, you know, grown men don't cry or, you know, or grown women don't cry. No, if you need to cry, cry. There's something very healing. I remember one of my mentors used to call it holy rain like holy rain and it brings this softening and this healing and this release in our lives when we allow ourselves to process grief in a healthy way. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 and verse 4 it says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to to dance. Now, whether the women and children had been killed or not, they'd still been robbed. They'd still been robbed of peace of mind and precious time with loved ones, and they would, of course, be robbed of energy. You know, it's important when we go through times of loss that we process the emotion of grief, but we don't fall uh, into the hole of self-pity or adopt grief as our identity. It's important that we process it, but then we move on from it. And that doesn't mean like, you know, for those of you that may have lost loved ones, it doesn't mean forget your loved ones. Like cherish that memory in your heart. Cherish the gift. You know, it's better, as the saying goes, it's better to have loved and lost than to have not loved at all. And be grateful and, and, and treasure them. And in a sense, there'll always be that memory. But don't stay stuck in the pit. Don't stay there. Don't put, you know, push the stop button on your life. You still need to live your life and your loved ones you know will will have wanted you to to move on and to enjoy your life not to be stuck point number three secret number three get the facts first you know see things as they are but don't see them worse than they are it's really important that we are careful that we don't get into what my dad used to call speculative imagination you know it's where you you often your mind comes like this runaway freight train where you start to imagine things you know worse than they actually are and we have this distorted perception that begins to paint a picture that's much worse than it actually is and what all that that does it zaps you of your energy uh you know and takes away from channeling that towards actually focusing on what could be a more positive constructive solution many of these men you know feared the worst but the reality was the men the, the women and the children were still alive often a lot of things that we worry about actually never happen so always get the facts first point number four secret number four seek divine guidance before deciding what to do next seek divine guidance 
before deciding what to do next. You know, here in 1 Samuel 30, verse 7 and 8, it says, Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought it out. And David, underline this next bit, David inquired of the Lord. You know, when you look up that word inquire, it also means desire. It means to seek. To He sought after the Lord. He asked of the Lord. Okay, He was really pressing into God. And he, he asked this question, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them uh, and pursue them? Uh, you know, he's he's worried here because there's a risk that if I go after them, are like, are we going to get killed? Or is, are we going to experience more loss? He wanted to make sure that he was going to do the right thing. So he asked this question and he, the response was, pursue them and you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. When bad things happen, there's going to be lots of voices around you saying to do this and do that. And there's sometimes, you know, voices in our own head as well. But it's important that we don't react in the flesh, but as Christians, we choose to respond in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes rather than just being reactional and lashing out, you know, it's important, you know, just to take some time out to, to withdraw from the situation, to, to get alone with God, to see what does God want to say. Because I think sometimes when we just rat lash out, we often can end up making a messy situation even messier but here David he did something really wise he sought the advice of Abathar the priest he was seeking after God a priest was a representative who would seek and hear God and represent um, you know the people to God and the word of the Lord was pursue the enemy and you will be victorious in reclaiming everything that's been stolen so what did David do with this word because one thing receiving a word but then we also have to decide what are we going to do with it. And after getting this divine guidance, David took his 600 men and he went after the enemy. Which leads us to point number five. Obey the word of the Lord, even if it's a bit scary. We need to be people that are continuing hearing the voice of the word uh, of God. Uh, but also we're heeding the voice of God as well, that we're implementing, that we're uh, being people that are practitioners of the word of God. And sometimes it's risky. Sometimes it's getting out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's costly. But James 1.22 gives really wise advice when it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Secret number six to reclaiming and recovering what the enemy has stolen. Don't go it alone. We looked at this in our previous series of Unify. Uh, and here, you know, in this situation, this story with David, he didn't rush out on a solo mission. He didn't go it alone, but he went with his army and they fought side by side. God has not called us to be isolated ones, but he's called us to be unified ones standing together in unity. And then number seven, the final point I want to make from this passage here that we learned from David's situation. Recognize and fulfill your role and responsibility. You know, what was interesting is the 600 men um, went, but 200 of them were really exhausted and really tired out. 400 went to attack uh, the enemy and 200 stayed back to guard the bags and, and their home. 
uh, they each had an important role. And even within the army, there would have been people guarding different things and there would have been, uh, you know, soldiers with different weapons and, you know, at different parts of the formation. And some were at the front, some were in the middle, some were at the back, some were at the sides. They each had a different role and responsibility to play. But, you know, as the people of God, united together, we each have uh, to recognize that we have a role and a responsibility to play. Uh, note that in the story of David and Ziklag, David did recover everything he lost in the same form. But let's be honest, sometimes in life we don't always recover everything in the same form that we may have lost it. And I wanted to share this really powerful verse from Job 42.10. And it says this, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. If you know anything about the story of Job, it's a very painful story. Job loses a lot. He loses his family. He loses his health, his wealth, his possessions. And he's just left with a nagging wife who basically says, why don't you just curse God and die? Uh, it wasn't a good situation, but Job, um, you know, started getting this advice, these, you know, these voices from his, you know, four friends who actually weren't actually being that friendly. They were actually more criticizing him, arguing with him, blaming him for his own misfortune. And they had some wise things to say, but actually what they were saying didn't really fit into the situation of what Job was going through. But here we see that despite the kind of his friends being very unfriendly and unloving, there's a secret reward that can be obtained when we choose to pray for and bless those who have wronged us. When we express love towards those who've been unloving, we counter the spirit of darkness that comes against us and we overcome it with light. And that doesn't mean that we become a doormat. It doesn't mean that we don't put strong boundaries in place. But there's something about this. And I just want to read that verse again, you know, after Job prayed for his friends, it was almost like that was the key. That was the turning point. It says, then the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. When you look up that word prayed in the Hebrew, you get this word palal, and it means to intercede, to intervene, to mediate. So I just, I'm amazed at Job and his response that he, you know, stood in the gap for his for his friends, even for those who had, had spoken wrongly, who had given it, who had misadvised him, he he sought to bless and 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 be uh, a positive influence in that situation through praying for them and blessing him. You know, the result: God released him from his mental and emotional uh, captivity, and he brought him restoration and recompense, and he got double for his trouble. And my prayer for you, for us today. Uh, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever struggles, whatever the unexpected looks like for you, whatever the enemy might have stolen or taken or hijacked from you, my prayer for you and for us is that we would take heart, that we would learn from this story, that we would recover all and that we too would get double for our trouble. Well, I hope you found this message helpful and encouraging and know that when we face the unexpected, we can expect to know that 
whatever's going on, whatever the craziness and the changes and the struggles and you know that are going on in the world, we can we can expect this. We can be assured of this, knowing that God is forever faithful and that He's always there with us, and we can always depend on Him. Well, let's pray uh, and just. Pray that God will help us just to really embed what he wants to say to us through this message and that we too will be able to put these principles and these truths from scripture uh, into good use in and through our lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time of just reading your word, listening of your word. And Lord, we want to be people that don't just hear the word, but we want to be people that do the work. Thank you for these secrets that we can implement for recovering all, for obtaining double for our trouble, for, for blessing, Lord, even in those situations where we may have felt misunderstood. Father God, we thank you that you are so good. And we thank you that we can trust in you. And we thank you that our hope and our future is firmly rooted and grounded in you, the eternal rock of ages. We thank you for it in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day.